This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. We are people who so wholly and completely depend upon the hand of God, the leading of God, the covering of God. We are desperate for Him. I hope you are desperate for Him. As if you're not desperate for Him, that means that you're finding your sufficiency in something else other than Him. Have you ever tried to comprehend the mercy of God? It can completely boggle your mind when you try to think about it. The Bible tells us that God is so merciful that He wishes that none would perish and all would come to repentance. But sadly, we know that not everyone will accept God's free gift of mercy. Even still, God will take all those who do accept His free gift and will bring restoration, not only spiritually, but one day physically in the Millennial Kingdom. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 7, for today's study. I need to change my ways because God has declared it through His prophets and it's taking place there. God declared it to His prophets, it's taking place there. God declared it to His prophets, it's taking place there. God declared it to His prophets, it's taking place there. God has declared it to His prophets, yeah, but I think I can get away with it. That's what He's saying. You're not learning from the lesson. Now, I know these things are videotaped and they are also uh, available on audio, uh, but I'm not sure if my older brother ever uh, watches these. Uh, he, he's a believer now, so he'll forgive me. But, you know, I, I was raised in, in a family of four boys. I was the second oldest. I watched my, what my brother did, and I decided I wasn't going to do that because I saw how much trouble he got into, okay? So I think that's what they're saying. Now, I wasn't perfect, okay? You need to understand that. But there was a lot of things that he did that I decided, I'm not going that direction, you know? And uh, I couldn't just, I'll, I'll take it out on my time. Um, I love you, Chuck. No, really, I do. Uh, I, I can remember, like, you know, when we'd get in trouble, we lived back in the day, and I know it's, like, really bad, but we lived back in the day where uh, parents would actually spank their children. I know it's 100 years ago. Old no picture. Uh, but, um, and, and actually, uh, my dad, uh, don't arrest my dad, he's a nice guy, but actually my dad would use a belt on us, okay? And so my, my brother thought he would be cool. And when my dad came in and whipped him, he would, he would be tough. And he wouldn't do a thing. So my dad says, no, that's not going to work. And so whack again. And he's not going to do a thing. And whack again. And he's still not going to. Well, my, my dad made sure that my brother understood the punishments that he was getting. Okay. Me. This is just my own confession. I was crying before I hit the bed, okay? <laughs> I cried before I hit the bed. One whack is done. I'm out of there. <laughs> I don't know if I was the smartest or just the, uh, uh, the wimpiest, but uh, it still worked either way. Okay. Learn a lesson. We see, we see believers who play around in sin and their lives fall apart. We see believers who, who, who uh, again, play in this area or say, well, you know, yes, I'm a believer, but, you know, I'm over here. And then we see the consequences of that hitting their lives. We ought to be a people who are alert to those things. 
Number one, when we see a brother or a sister falling in a sin, the word says that we who are spiritual ought to come alongside that one to encourage that one. But he also says, but be careful that you're not tempted in the same thing. So we ought to be really very alert and, and in tune with what's going on even in other believers' lives. Judah wasn't. Jerusalem wasn't. I mean, all, all the prophets that came to Israel and Judah, the two divided kingdoms, and prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, said, you're going to face the discipline of God because you continue to walk in rebellion to the word of God. And sure enough, the Assyrians come down and they take away Israel, the northern kingdom. And as Assyria tries to come against Judah, the southern kingdom, God doesn't let Assyria, but he gives Judah another opportunity. We, we shared, I think, a little bit about this either last week or a couple of weeks ago. That sometimes I really wish that the discipline of God was like really quick. You know, so that man, the, the, the moment I step out of line, bam, I'm, I'm, I'm back in line again. But the greatness of his love is, is he wants us to obey him, not because we're fearful we're going to get whacked, but because we love him. And so he, he exercises a great deal of grace, a great deal of mercy. And the unfortunate thing is too many take that mercy and that grace to the fullest, fullest extent. Why did you fall off the wall, son? I don't know. I just fell off the wall. Where were you standing when you fell off the wall? Well, with my toes over the edge. Didn't I tell you to stand back away from the edge? Yeah. So why did you fall off the wall, son? Because I was disobedient. And you see, I, 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 I love what Pastor Chuck Smith used to say. Why would we live our lives on the edge of God's mercy and grace all the time? when it's so much more freer and fuller to live in the center of obedience. It's much more fulfilling when we live on the edge. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Lord, how did I get here? Why is this happening in my life? Don't you love me anymore, God? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? I didn't. I told you to stand back. In verse 8, he says, Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord. Wait for me. What a great word that is. Waiting on the Lord. You guys, anybody ever have problems waiting on the Lord? Yeah, yeah. That, that, the P word, okay? The P word. The patience thing. I, it's difficult. Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. My determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour on them my indignation, all my fierce anger, all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. God is saying, you know what, I, I have a perfect plan, 
in place and I'm working out my plan. And we look at the unrighteousness, we look at the wickedness, and we're crying out, Lord, why don't you take care of them? He says, you just need to wait in me and wait on me. And as, again, the, 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 the word encourages man, wait on the Lord. Wait on Him. He says, I'm going to assemble all of these nations together and I'm going to draw them to my assembly. We, we look at this even in Revelation chapter 16, verses 14 and, and 16, where God is going to draw all the nations together for that last and great battle, the battle of Armageddon. And he speaks of that even right here. I'm going to draw them all together and then I'm going to pour on them my indignation, all of my fierce anger, the wrath of God being poured out. And he says, and with the fire of my jealousy. Now, keep your place right here. If you are waiting for the restoration and the future of this world, that this world is just going to get better and better and better, and this is going to be, you know, a kingdom uh, here on, on the world. We, we just talked about this too earlier on. If, if you're waiting for that, do me a favor. Stay right here. Turn to Second Peter real quick. And yeah, that's in your New Testament. Okay. So Second Peter. And, and go to chapter 3. You can go to Revelation, then go to Jude, Third John, Second John, First John, Second Peter. You want to go that? Second Peter, chapter three. This final day of the Lord, this final end of all things. Listen to what, he, what Peter writes here. He says in verse ten, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the." Elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He is saying, because we know that these things are going to happen, how ought we to be living? Beloved, that's the same thing that Zephaniah is declaring, that the Lord is declaring through Zephaniah to the people of Jerusalem. Look, all of this is going to come about. You see me already do this to all of these nations around you. It's time to wake up. It's time to learn the lesson. Because it's only then, after all of my wrath is poured out, verse, back in Zephaniah, uh, only then, he says in verse 9, for then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they may call on the name, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve Him with one accord. Again, that time of God's blessing, that time of God's overwhelming, uh, that, that idea of a pure language. It's not that suddenly everybody in the world is going to be able to speak, uh, what's that Filipino language? Tagalog. Tagalog. It's not that everybody's going to speak that. It's not that everybody's going to speak uh, uh, Spanish. It's not that everybody's going to speak Italian. It's not going to be that everybody's going to speak... In no, this is going to be a purity of the heart is going to be the purity of the heart that the language of the people is going to be that way in order that we as a people there's a purity that comes and, and again even as Jesus says man it's what's 
what's inside of man that, that comes out that's so profane. No, there's going to be a purity because again, people will be, this will be the, the, the newness, this will be the new kingdom. Again, coming in, they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. In that day, you shall not be shamed of any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. But this is a different way. Do you, do you understand? He says, before you were shameless, because you weren't embarrassed about anything that you did. Here he say you won't be shamed because your sin will be forgiven. It says, for then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride. For you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies, nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth. And I, I can't imagine this being other than like the millennial reign of Christ during this time, where again, the, the peace and the completeness that's there. He says in, in the last portion of verse 13, for they shall feed their flock and lie down and no one shall make them afraid. Again, that vision that we get with the lion and laying down with the lamb. And uh, again, the young child leading. Uh, again, the, just the security and the peace that's there. That Again, that millennial reign of Christ. He says in verse 14, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments, and he has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I look at this and on one hand, he's reading this like it's, it's, it's happened already. It's like, man, it's, it's already taking place. And that's the reality that we know with, with, again, the mind and the understanding of God. God's not looking at, you know, like years from now. God looks that right now it's complete. Right now it's done. The work in the hand of God in God's time frame. You know, we, we think like, yeah, but what about our, 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 our loved ones that have, that have gone on with the Lord, you know, 20 years ago? You know what? All, all of this is complete for them. They're not under the, the time like we are. They're not worried about hours and minutes and seconds. No, it's a completeness. I believe that God sees this already completed. That's why he can declare it in such a way that it is done and it is complete. He says, man, don't let your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will say, he'll rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And when I read that, I think of the Song of Solomon. I think of that relationship. And if you take, again, that Song of Solomon, just that beautiful, romantic tale. And again, if you take the, the allegory of it again, of Christ and his church, and you think, Wow, 
That's some powerful stuff. It's intense. It's passionate. It is, again, just again, with, with literally a, a no-holds-barred kind of relationship that God desires to have with us. And when he speaks of Christ as our groom and we as his bride, and I think it was Nathan when you were sharing that it's kind of difficult for us as guys to come here, I'm the bride, I'm the bride of Christ. But we'll, we'll get over that because we are, okay? And again, the rejoicing portion and, and of that, that our Lord is going to rejoice over us with singing. And I think it's going to be a great love song. A great love song. You say, he says in verse 18, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I'll save the lame and gather those who are driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise. Now, we think of the word fame. That means, man, my name's going to be on the billboards. I'm going to be popular, and everybody's going to, everybody's going to you know, know who I am. That's, that's not the idea. That's not the understanding. Uh, again, what, what does the word say? That, that, that we humble ourselves before the Lord. That at the appointed time, what does the word say? He will exalt us. He will lift us up. That's, that's not in a bad way. That's in the fact that, you know what? God is exalting us up. Why? Because of the greatness of his love for us. And he says, even those that were shamed, those that, that were lame, those that were driven out, those that were afflicted, all of these, you know what? I'm going to give you fame and, and praise among all the peoples of the earth. When I return, your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. It's interesting how 50 years later, beyond when Zephaniah writes, more or less, 50 years more or less, around 586 becomes. In 586, the Babylonians took Jerusalem. They took Judah. God had warned them that this is going to happen, uh, my judgment is going to be on you. My discipline is beyond you. He, he, he does say, but, but before this happens, seek the Lord. Before this takes place, seek. Well, we know historically they didn't. But yet at the same time, the same word of God says that, hey, there will come that time that I'm going to gather you back. The unfortunate thing is in the midst of this, the, the nation itself that had turned their back on God, over and over, if you caught it through, not only through Zephaniah, but also through many of these prophets, it speaks about this, this remnant, that he'll care for this remnant, and he'll watch over that remnant. And those that, that love the Lord, those that desire him, we know that when they were take, taken off into Babylonian captivity, there were men like Daniels and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that there were men and, and, and women who loved the Lord, but because the nation itself was in sin, because its leadership was in sin, both in the government and in the religious realm, the nation itself suffered the discipline of the Lord. But that doesn't mean that everyone was wicked. There was a remnant that was there. 
got cared for. Doesn't mean that they didn't have some problems during the time that God cared for them. But in the overall thing, God says, you know what? But I'm still going to bring you back. And God did. 70 years later, he brought them back, restored them. They rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the walls. They reestablished the nation. And then for the rest of their lives, they lived glorifying and honoring God because they learned their lesson. Right? Yeah, sure. And you think, golly, guys, don't you get it? Until I look at our lives, my life, your life, don't we get it? Don't we get it? 70 years later, they come and restore, and then about 500 years after that, number one, they don't hear from God anymore. We'll we'll get to the book of Malachi, or Malachi, uh, a little bit later, a few weeks from now. That's the last word of God to the people of Israel for like 500 years. Talk about a pregnant pause. Talk about a creepy silence. Going through the motions because they rebuilt the temple. They, They restored all the sacrifices. They just didn't have the Spirit of God. It's not unlike churches of today. If the Holy Spirit were to completely leave that church, would they know it? Are we a people who so wholly and completely depend upon the hand of God, the leading of God, the covering of God? We are desperate. I hope you are desperate for him. As if you're not desperate for him. That means that you're finding your sufficiency in something else other than him. And when we find our sufficiency, or if we find our strength, uh, our completeness in something other than him, we're going to be wholly disappointed. I think that there's always been a remnant. I think that there's a remnant right now, even in Israel that really desire to see God work and move in their lives. Some of them have come to the fullness of the understanding of Messiah. They know that Christ, that Jesus Christ, is and was the Messiah. Some still wait for the Messiah. They don't quite understand it. They want to live for God, but they just don't understand it. I believe that in these last, in fact, I know that in these last days, many are coming to Christ. Not necessarily because they're looking for Jesus, but beloved, it's because Jesus has been seeking them. He's been revealing himself. Just like many in in Islam right now. And we read testimony after testimony of people that are that are that are sold out Muslim. They're they're on their way to 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 worship at a at a mosque through dreams and visions. God revealing himself to them. And I believe that in these last days, as the prophet Joel says, as what Peter declared on the day of Pentecost, that again, these young men shall dream dreams and old men shall see visions. I believe that we're going to see more and more of that in these last days. You may have friends that are non-believers. You may have family that's non-believers. 
I believe, in these days. And we ought to be praying more and more fervently that God, in a supernatural way, would reveal himself. Because I believe these are the days that God wants to pour his spirit out on his people. To make known his way. At least it's getting darker and darker and darker. From the book of Hosea to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, the 12 minor prophets are rich with important prophecies, some pertaining to things that have already happened and some pertaining to things that are yet to come. Join us as Pastor David teaches through these books verse by verse. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to www.theopenword.com. That's TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for worship on Saturday evenings, Sunday mornings, or Wednesday evenings. For service times, driving directions, and more information, Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Make sure and check out our Facebook page. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the Open Word Facebook page. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.